Hi there, this is Omar Crook, host of Living with a Genius. I want to personally thank you for your financial support. Your donation helps keep this show chugging right along, and I truly couldn't do it without you. As always, thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time. Here's Living with a Genius for July 25th, 2020. Dr. Rosalind Franklin was born on this day in 1920 in London, England. There's probably no other woman scientist with as much controversy surrounding her life and work as Rosalind Franklin. Franklin was responsible for much of the research and discovery work that led to the understanding of the structure of deoxyribonucleic acid, DNA. And the story of DNA is a tale of competition and intrigue. Franklin excelled at science and attended one of the few girls' schools in London that taught physics and chemistry. When she was 15, she decided to become a scientist, but her father was decidedly against higher education for women and instead wanted Rosalind to be a social worker. But he ultimately relented and in 1938, she enrolled at Newnham College, Cambridge, graduating in 1941. She held a graduate fellowship for a year, but quit in 1942 to work at the British Coal Utilization Research Association, where she made fundamental studies of carbon and graphite microstructures, and it was this work which was the basis of her doctorate in physical chemistry, which she earned from Cambridge University in 1945. After Cambridge, she spent three productive years in Paris, where she learned X-ray diffraction techniques. And in 1951, she returned to England as a research associate in John Randall's laboratory at King's College, London. It was in Randall's lab that she crossed paths with Maurice Wilkins. In hiring Franklin, Randall made an enormous oversight. Maurice Wilkins, a senior member of the Randall lab, had actually been working on the structure of DNA for several years, and he was very interested in continuing his research. In addition, Randall did not include Wilkins in the discussion of how the DNA work was to be allocated, and as a result, Wilkins and Franklin both had stakes to the ownership of the project. This simple communication error underlies what has been called one of the great personal quarrels in the history of science. Wilkins began analysis of Franklin's data without her knowledge or approval, and she began to feel paranoid that others were trying to control her work. But Franklin persisted on the DNA project, and by the spring of 1952, Franklin had perfected her X-ray crystallography technique of DNA. On May 1st, she took what famed X-ray crystallographer J.D. Bernal called among the most beautiful X-ray photographs of any substance ever taken. Photograph 51, as it's called, shows a sharp image of the X-ray diffraction pattern of pure crystalline DNA and was the critical piece of evidence for Watson and Crick's famous model. At the end of 1953, Franklin was preparing to leave King's College. She had finished collecting her data and was ready to leave the semi-aggressive atmosphere where, quite frankly, very few people respected her. Wilkins was preparing to take over the project and thus had access to photograph 51. During a chance meeting the following year, Wilkins showed Watson photograph 51. At that moment, Watson immediately recognized that the image showed DNA had a helical structure. 
and rushed back to tell Crick that there was real evidence of a helical configuration for DNA. Watson and Crick also had access to a research summary Franklin had written for her grant review board. Basically, Watson and Crick had all of Dr. Franklin's data and conclusions from her most current research without her knowledge or consent. Franklin was consequently beaten to publication by Crick and Watson. The debate about the amount of credit due to Franklin continues to this day. Many have argued that Rosalind Franklin was an excellent crystallographer but was incapable of interpreting her own data. However, at the same time that Watson and Crick were solving the structure using Franklin's data, she was coming to nearly the exact same conclusions and was preparing three manuscripts on her data collected at King's College detailing her conclusion that DNA had a double helical structure. She came within a few steps of the final model of DNA and provided all of the necessary data for Watson and Crick to solve it. And it would be Watson and Crick who would go on to win the Nobel Prize for arguably the greatest scientific discovery of the 20th century. However, the real tragedy of Dr. Franklin's life is not that she was robbed of a Nobel Prize. Rather, it is science, and consequently all of us, who were robbed of another 20 to 40 years of Franklin's research presence. In the summer of 1956, in the middle of her fruitful work towards the understanding of the poliovirus, Dr. Rosalind Franklin became ill with ovarian cancer and died less than two years later, in April of 1958, at the tragically young age of 37. Thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time.